welcome to this week's edition of Agro-Africa. This is a program that talks about agriculture and its development in Africa. We're coming to you from Channel Africa, the African perspective in Johannesburg, South Africa. Go with me, Sydney, Katuna Piri, and stay tuned. June is Youth Month in South Africa. To commemorate the event of the 16th June 1976, otherwise known as the Youth Uprising in South Africa, Channel Africa looks at the role of the youth in agriculture and codex standards in Africa. We hear what they are and the need to have them at a time when Africa is ready for the African continental free trade area. Ambassadors for June 16 is a special series about the continent's youth that seek to reverse the notion that agriculture is for the retired people. We begin looking at what the situation is in South Africa and the rest of the continent regarding food safety as we join a webinar celebrating the third Food Safety Day 2021. What type of Africa do you want? So stay tuned. Events that ensured when young people in 1976 in South Africa decided to revolt against the government of the day because of education, reawakened a revolution in the youth of that country. Decades later, the youth have arguably found another enemy in the lack of jobs and opportunities. While land and lack thereof still is a challenge to most South Africans, especially the blacks, is it an excuse for lack of innovation in agriculture? Are black Africans ready to be involved in agriculture? Join me as I visit a flea market where I meet this man selling fruits and vegetables. Uh, my name is Matumi Meyers Raupala. I'm selling fruits and veg on the streets. But right now I'm here at flea market under Ekruleni City. I'm originally from Limpopo. I was born in Limpopo, raised in Limpopo. And then when time goes on, when I grew up, I passed my metric there. After my metric, I came to Chopek looking for a better life. I worked before as a security guard. After my security guard, it's when I started to sell some veggies and fruits. It's where I started to sell potatoes. Sometimes I went back to Limpopo and stocked some tomatoes, all the stuff. And then when seasonally goes on, I know because I've born in Limpopo, I know these bananas, uh, avos, they come seasonally. So now as uh, it's winter, it's an uh, uh, orange season. So I used to go to Limpopo to fetch oranges. When coming summer, I, went, I will go there to fetch mangoes. So this is how it works, my work right now. This is what I'm doing. Big oranges, and I suppose these are sweet oranges. Yes, you are welcome. I can give you a taste to taste this before you can buy. They are very sweet and juicy. How do you get this type of raw juice? Do you get it from young farmers, uh, white farmers, or what type of farmers do you get this produce from? They are different. They are young and older, black and white. But most of our producers, it's a, a white man. 
because our blakes, I don't know what can I say, but what I can tell you is that most of the producers, it's a white. And then when we got some blacks, we go to the blacks. They used to call us when they do have them. Now, let's look at uh, your observation as uh, somebody who is uh, in this trade, looking at the youth's involvement in agriculture. Do you see some youth get involved in uh, producing these uh, these oranges or you get it from older farmers? Yeah, they do involve, but uh, there are very few. Most of them, I can say maybe 90% they are whites. Do you have any idea why maybe young farmers are not involved in agriculture as much? Ah, that one, uh, I'm not quite sure about it, what is happening uh, about uh, black pattern and uh, agriculture. But I know some of the black person where they have claimed they are uh, farmers where it was uh, used by uh, white people. And then after they've claimed it, there's nothing they are producing there. If I can tell you this, uh, somewhere there at Mahopas Kloof, where they use to produce tea and coffee. Right now I can tell you it's a bushes. After they've claimed it, it's a bushes. But it was working uh, 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 well before they claimed it. And they were white persons. After they were gone, everything is vanished. I can say it's vanished because now it's a bushy. There's no more tea, no more coffee. Now, what does that make you feel as a black young middle man, you know, looking at uh, where agriculture is going? Do you think we, the youth have got that type of carrot to get them into agriculture? I can say totally no. We are failing when it comes to uh, agriculture. Why do you think blacks are failing in agriculture? I don't know, but this is what is happening. Can you think of any reason why this is happening? Ah, Maybe I can say, maybe, I don't know, if the government can do something, and maybe I can say maybe they can offer a young black person maybe to learn more about agriculture and to know more about agriculture so that they can able to produce their own fruits, veggies on their own land. Now, uh, maybe next time we'll be able to talk to a government official, um, you know, pertaining to what is happening, you know, with the youth in agriculture. Do you have any uh, uh, parting words? Uh, what I can say, if maybe I can able to be in uh, agriculture, I can, I can maybe encourage most of them to produce their own because these white people, they make a lot, a lot of money, I can say because they can supply everywhere, South Africa, Africa, and overseas. They are exporting, eaten every day, lot, a lot of tons. When I'm there by the farm, before they can help us, they start by helping the trucks. Those are taking the stuff to other countries. You are listening to Agro Africa, coming to you from Channel Africa. The African Perspective in Johannesburg, South Africa. In the program this week, we're beginning looking at youth participation in agriculture. Well, you're walking in stilettos or with painted nails, and people still have that traditional view of how a farmer should look like. You know, you should be dirty, you should be in khakis, you should really be sunburned. and Mabato Murubi Chiladido Farms in Lanseria, South Africa. They are speaking to Peps Bokani from our sister program, Making Moves. You know, coming from the young generation, we understand that there's newer ways of, of doing farming. There's sunscreens that you can put before you hit the field. 
and you know you can still do it on your laptop it doesn't only have to be done on the ground every day you know you, you train your processes and systems in such a way that allows you to work on your farming operations rather than on your skin no mother it's going to give you more business what if you play into the skin later no it's No, because we're trying to change that face here, agriculture, that you have to be dirty, you have to be male, you have to be old or not have anything else to do because that's the case with rural communities now. Young people are not interested in agriculture because they see it as a dirty job and then they end up moving to the township and what happens then is that they're unemployed anyway, they squatters, they sit, stay in small spaces where else they have land that's not being used. So that's what we're trying to actually change, to say you can still look good, but be a farmer. How many bottles do you have to sell in order to make money? Recently did a calculation. We did yeah. that, and uh, recently with the type of expenses that we have, we need to sell between ourselves 30 bottles a day. 30 bottles a day, directly or through retail? Directly, directly. Because we don't really do much calculations, that is just a bonus. So directly is where we really make our margins, the good margins. So you mainly make your money if you're selling directly? Directly. And yep. you have to sell 30 bottles a day each or no, together, 15 together. bottles? Together, just to break even, yeah. So how are you guys going to sell those? Oh, well, we, we are selling. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, we are selling actually more yeah. than yeah, more than that through food shows, flea markets, online sales. That's picking up nicely. Corporate, Corporate gifts. gifts. Yeah. Apparently, you're carried by a few spas. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of agreement have you got in place with them? How does that work? Well, it's a simple agreement of you're a small business. You're trying to grow. You have um, buy um, clients in our suburb so it's fine bring it let's see how it's going and then they've been so friendly they've been so good they understand that we are a small business so they really pay us in 14 days we get paid from them is it working are you moving enough product it is working you know just the margins are very small so when you hit retail uh, stores you have to really be you know having capacity to really do it at a big scale because in a big, in a small scale, you get, you know, your margins just, they don't really make much sense. Yeah. So that's the strategy. She's the talker. She yeah. likes looking at me. Like, she I'm is the talker. Yeah. She likes looking at me. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about the, the strategy in order to meet those 30 bottles a day, which we're now going to grow. It's going to become 60 bottles a day if we're wanting to grow the business. What's the strategy? Yep, uh, approaching people. We found that actually going into these bars and actually talking to people actually does help. Uh, your flea markets are helping school school markets. We actually are Christmas markets because we found that our main target audience really also it's housewives and that's where you actually find them they they buy it
Africa, how two young South Africans are changing the narrative that agriculture is dirty, and also how important it is for youth to be involved in agriculture. Later, we are going to join a webinar looking at food safety as the world was observing the Third World Food Safety Day 2021. How is Africa preparing itself for codex standards as the continent gears up for the Africa continental free trade area while advancing food safety and regional trade agendas? Africa preparing itself for codex standards as the continent gears up for the Africa continental free trade area while advancing food safety and regional trade agendas. Africa has had a challenge in the coordination of standards. The coordinating committee for Africa was established by Codex Alimentarius Committee in 1972 with a mandate to exercise general coordination in the preparation of standards. Join me as we now join a webinar talking about this and other safety measures in food security. My name is uh, Hakim Ofumbiro. I'm the current coordinator for uh, the Codex Committee on, for Africa, which is uh, abbreviated as CC Africa. I'm from Uganda. I work at the Bureau of Standards in Uganda. Um, I'll probably now uh, look at uh, some of the context within which uh, we're having this presentation or this meeting today. Uh, I'll touch on CC Africa, uh, Codex Standards and the AFCTA, and then the development of Africa's common positions. I'll throw in a little bit of uh, a number of recommendations for consideration in this uh, um, uh, virtual session, and I'll conclude. In terms of the context, I'll probably take one or two minutes here to have everyone um, on the same page with regard to um, how Codex comes into the third picture. This demonstrates the kind of uh, work that Codex has done over the years. And most of the things which are highlighted here um, are of, of food safety significance. Um, key of those relate to, for example, um, if you look at the screen, uh, maximum residue levels for um, pesticide residues, retainer drug residues, and, 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 and other, uh, other aspects as, uh, as, as elaborated through the codex system. So it is, uh, it is uh, the context within which uh, we're operating. The mandate for uh, codex is a dual mandate uh, for protection of uh, the health of consumers, as well as ensuring uh, fair practices in the food trade, and of course, uh, a promotion of the coordination and development of the standards. And it's a UN agency established by both uh, uh, FA1 WHO, so in effect, uh, having those two parents. Um, I, I would probably touch on a little bit on this screen, and I've highlighted the area um, uh, that you'd see in red intentionally, uh, but to only reflect that uh, uh, the reference made that to codex standards in the WTOSPS agreement uh, has far-reaching implications uh, for resolving trade disputes. So in effect, anything that deals with food safety and the, and, and, food, and, 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 and trade, um, the only sound reference is uh, the codex standards. 
um, it's a truly global organization, up to 189 members, 188, as well as um, one member organization, which is the European Union. Probably we could be talking about African Union as one of the other member organizations. Maybe we haven't graduated to that level. And uh, it is probably 99% of the world's population. So there are several observers, and I've included African Union intentionally among the intergovernmental organizations. Probably it would be time for the African Union to gain um, the uh, uh, much coveted membership as well as the, Afri as the European Union for them to actually make that much um, um, impact within the codex system. There are several committees which are, which are the framework within which standards are developed um, in the codex system. Um, in terms of CC Africa, which is uh, one of the um, uh, reasons uh, I'm making this presentation, is that uh, the current membership in the in the in the African uh, region is 49 members. So some of the members who are part of the African Union are not necessarily part of the CC Africa, um, uh, and they are they are part of this the Codex Committee on the Near East. And those um, are our, our brothers and sisters up north, some of the few countries uh, up there, but the majority of the countries are actually part of uh, CC Africa. Our main mandate is to support and coordinate the work of codex committees in the region, as well as uh, um, a group of countries in the preparation of uh, draft standards. The key deliverables for CC Africa are mainly regional standards. Currently, I would say we have um, um, four. The fourth one is only waiting for input from a number of um, codex committees. Others, uh, we have developed a number of uh, regional standards and two are uh, different stages of development, including uh, the key standard on the dry stand, uh, the standard for dried meat, as well as the guideline for um, development of um, uh, uh, harmonized uh, uh, food laws in, in, in Africa. Um, Uganda is currently the coordinator, having taken over from um, Kenya uh, in November 2020. Uh, the, the codex standards, of course, um, are, are critical in uh, the AFCTA, and it's not, it's not possible that we'll have um, a vibrant AFCTA without uh, applying codex standards. I thought I would share this in this uh, gathering. Back to the Africa's common positions. Um, I've indicated here the process that we use for developing of African common positions. And I think this is a commitment which was made by the heads of states in the African Union for Africa to uh, sound one voice in uh, international standard setting organizations, codex included. So um, over the years, we have been uh, using the framework through the African Union Inter-Africa Inter Bureau of Animal Resources, where experts uh, um, identified generate positions, and these are shared with members, and these are the positions members carry uh, in, uh, in, 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 in different codex events. So, but essentially that is almost like um, a top-up approach. We are now uh, trying to uh, change that a little bit to have actually a bottom-up approach where it is the actual members who contribute the positions that eventually lead up uh, to the African Union position. So, but we are yet to go there. Um, my our, our approach as a coordinator for Africa, we are looking at leveraging um, the already existing frameworks within the regional economic communities uh, because the regional economic because most of the countries subscribe to regional economic communities. We want to foster um, um, codex and food safety issues through there so that we get um, input coming through uh, from the RECs and they take up their uh, responsible coordination activities. But uh, importantly, to note here is that uh, over the years, I could probably say that for the last. 10 years, if you look at the contribution that members have made in terms of conference room documents, which are normally 
uh, shared in codex meetings, those are the ones we call CRDs, they are normally based on the regional common positions, which means that the, the approach has been functioning, it has been working, and the members are able to appreciate uh, the, way, the way the positions arrived at, because it is the same African experts who actually generate the positions, and uh, that's what we're trying to strengthen uh, through the, the African Union framework. So the positions that are developed are anchored on the existing codex committees, and these are the codex committees that develop standards that relate to food safety. So I've uh, highlighted here out a number of them, um, and these are the ones that are priority to Africa, where we actually have um, been developing positions through the regional framework. It does not mean that uh, Africa develops uh, positions for everything, because there are several committees in, uh, in in Codex, but we target the ones that are of much significance in Africa. And uh, these are among the ones that uh, are key um, for the African region, quite a number. I have uh, a number of recommendations that uh, I could share uh, in this platform, uh, considering the level of, of participation and representation in here. And uh, uh, my first recommendation relates to um, um, fostering consultations at the national level to feed into the regional common positions um, because we have noted that uh, whereas the regional common positions actually developed, the, the actual contribution by the member states is not really felt in there, uh, regardless of whether they actually um, the experts who are uh, derived from the member states, but would actually want actual consultations at the national level to feed into the regional uh, positions. Um, the, for, for us to do that, of course, there is need for strengthening of national codex systems uh, to support uh, regional initiatives. And uh, um, I think uh, uh, Diana also noted the point of data. Codex standards are based on sound science. And for you to actually have a position that will stand the test during the development of the standard, it has to be based on real data, which is one of Africa's biggest problems in terms of um, um, contributing and, 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 and influencing standards at the level of, uh, of, of codex. Uh, we have a wealth of African food safety experts. They are scattered uh, uh, in, in the entire region. Some of them we actually don't know what they are doing or we don't know what they are actually up to. We have not interested them to participate, yet they're actually willing to contribute to a scientific expertise in the codex system. But uh, um, the framework within which we can actually tap into their expertise is still something that we are still working on to ensure that they're able to uh, contribute. And of course, member states participating in codex work is, uh, is, uh, is a recommendation I put out here and the regional economic community. I, I still want to go back uh, to this point because um, having worked through the East African community, we feel that there's a semblance of, um, of, of having some order within codex system because the structures are starting to actually um, make things happen. We'd actually want to see this uh, probably replicated in all the different tracks in the in the in, in 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 Africa for them to actually have solid um, coordination mechanisms and keep on rallying their members to contribute to food safety and codex activities and that, that is how African Union will become strong. It will not become strong by having um, high-end experts contributing to positions that we submit in these particular meetings. Finally, I would like to conclude that. Uh, Codex standards are critical for trade in this region, and uh, without a doubt, uh, if we don't implement these codex standards, most of the uh, aspirations that we have for intra-Africa regional trade uh, will be something that uh, will be very far from us. Um, I would like to call on member states uh, to have take up that critical role in generating common positions, uh, because we have been running probably different programs, the, the, the activities are not synchronized with regional programs, and then there's a disconnect in terms of uh, having that contribution uh, that supports uh, 
the regional common position. So we think by strengthening the national level, we're actually strengthening the, the, the broader um, African Union um, perspective. Listening to Agro Africa coming to you from Channel Africa, the African perspective in Johannesburg, South Africa. In the program this week, we started looking at the youth participation in agriculture. We heard how two young South Africans are changing the narrative that agriculture is dirty and also how important it is for youth to be involved in agriculture. We have just joined a webinar looking at food safety as the world was observing 3rd World Food Safety Day 2021. How is Africa preparing itself for codex standards as the continent gears up for the Africa continental free trade area while advancing food safety and regional trade agendas? I have one question here and I want to put it to all the panelists and all the participants. Food safety is a goal but the capacity to verify the quality or compliance to standard of food product is critical. What is, the, what is Africa's talk, African Union doing to strengthen food testing and establish laboratory cooperation across the country? So while waiting for who can give it a try, I want to give the floor to Gervais. Gervais, you have your hands up, please. Yes, um, I want to contribute to, to that question. That is a very good question, and then I thank the participant for raising that question. Um, my take on this is that uh, we is not not that uh, nothing is been happening at the continental level. Uh, you see, at the member state level, we have many countries. They have mechanism to do food inspection, and then also food controls. Uh, through their different mechanisms, uh, through their uh, laboratories. And then uh, in many countries, you also, especially in West Africa, for instance, and then also uh, East Africa uh, countries, you see that uh, countries have established uh, their national uh, uh, food security, uh, they call them, it depends on the countries, huh? but uh, they have national food, sec uh, food security authorities. And through their Bureau of Standards, many analyses have been conducted and then to check and then to do inspection and controls. But the question is, do we have specialized laboratories uh, across the continent so that we put them in a network? That is the where the, the, the missing link is it is currently now. So the question is not is to have now these specialized laboratories. Uh, and then put them in a network within the continent. Because food safety is too large, and then not one lab cannot do everything, cannot perform all those analyses. Can, can I give the floor yeah. to Sunday? Yes, thank you very much. Can you hear me now? We can hear you. Hello, can we? Okay, excellent. We can hear you, sir. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, Your Excellencies, I have uh, a simple suggestion to make based on uh, the way the, where we are coming from. You will all recall that in 2003, when CADEP was adopted 
in Maputo, uh, Mozambique. Uh, the homegrown school feeding program was also adopted at the same time. And the reason was because we want to feed our children and then upscale that to the adult population. That's the wisdom behind it. Now, we have lost the uh, trend of events. We have separated the school feeding program from the cadet process. And the school feeding program, which should be a project of the National and Cultural Investment Plan, is now running outside on its own. Meanwhile, the school feeding program is a value chain program from inputs to production to storage to uh, processing to uh, packaging, labeling, and the menus in the schools. We were supposed to get it right with feeding our children in schools and then upscale that value chain system to the adult population. And we then achieve the food and nutrition security. The issue of food safety can only stand on that established value chain system. It cannot also run on its own. We have to run the efforts on food safety on the standards of inputs, production, uh, competitiveness, uh, I mean, all that we need to achieve uh, on quality along the value chain. That is the way to achieve uh, food safety at the end of the day. These things are not rocket science. Why don't we follow what we have? Yeah, well, let us follow what we have made from the beginning. Let us get it right with the school feeding in schools, then upscale it to the adult population in Africa, and we achieve it. We don't need the United Nations or other people to come and do it for us. We can do it. And we have got it right by the structure. Thank, thank you. you very much, sir. We can do it. And I think we need to work towards doing it. Something new on the chat box is the fact that the African continental free trade area cannot also run on its own. It has to stand on the process that has been put in place from Cadet to the knives. And they, they have to harvest the products from this process and put it in the global market. The AFC FTA cannot run on its own. It has to stand on something because it's part and parcel of the value chain system. And the earlier we recognize that, the better for us. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Chair, for organizing this uh, meeting um, and recognizing the importance of food safety to the health of Kenyans. Um, I, 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 a study was carried out in Kenya in 2020 by a civil society organization called Root to Food Initiative that showed that 67% of pesticides used by farmers by some, some of our, uh, our um, uh, county governments as being highly hazard, hazardous pesticides, which were already withdrawn from the European market. And yet 74% of the farmers were using these products. Now, we find that there's a lot of emphasis on the African continent on food that is going into the export market in terms of ensuring that it is safe to eat from a perspective of pesticide residues. And yet more than 90% of the produce, uh, vegetables and fruits especially are consumed by the, the nationals of that country, Kenyan as an example. So, uh, you know, as a consumer, I am very, very concerned about this trend. And I'm wondering at continental level whether 
the AU has heard about this study or is aware of similar studies and what is being done at the REC level and at continental level to address this misuse and abuse of synthetic pesticides because there's big promotions of pesticides and yet we are not able to manage them from, from a perspective of small-scale farmers. And two, what initiatives are there to promote agroecology, which in my thinking is much easier to, to adapt and is more friendly to farmers and is also safer, produces safer food uh, for consumers from a continental perspective. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think you raised here a very good question, or you are making a point that food safety should not only be a trade concern, but should also be a health concern. And how do we ensure that food safety really had health as in the center of the discussion? I think this is an issue that you are raising. We are more concerned with food safety issues when we want to sell. But when it comes to the local consumption, it seems as nobody takes care. I want to take the reaction on this, and I want to give the floor to two other persons. Uh, I have Agnes here. Don't say I'm gender biased, but I have to give the floor to ladies. Um, Agnes Hirabo is my name. I'm from Uganda. And I'm the executive director for a civil society organization called the Food Rights Alliance here in Uganda. I wish to congratulate the African Union and all participants on this call for putting aside time and to be part of this conversation to raise the profile of food safety, the need to have safe food now if we are going to have a secure future tomorrow. Uh, Mr. Chair, I want to draw the attention of the conversation here on the issue of food safety and urban development in Africa. We all know that many of our people are leaving the rural areas to come to a by and large less regulated urban areas. I believe the uh, it is happening in all countries in Africa here in Uganda, I think our urban growth rate is higher than the population growth. It's around 5.7% per year. And these people coming to the urban areas must eat. And it is our duty that they do not only eat, but they also eat safe food. So how fast are we moving in dealing with the issue of food safety governance in the urban areas as opposed to victimizing and criminalizing it. Because many people do that in many uh, um, attempts taken, it is enforcing to ensure that these food vendors are gotten out of the city as opposed to facilitating their operations. Which direction are we taking as a continent, because it is our sole duty that the poor in the urban areas have access to affordable, safe food. For now, Chair, that is my submission. Th thank you very much, Agnes. The last one here is David. David, are you able to speak now? 
if David is not able to speak, I want to give the floor to the panelists, please, less than a minute to, to answer. And the first, I want to call uh, uh, Diana. Benoit, you have already reacted. We have two minutes to go, so I want to give the floor to Diana to quickly react to this. Diana, Diana, would you like to react to this? Um, Dr. Simples, you want me to react to the question? There from have been many questions from the panel. Oh, yes. And I want to you pick one, not more than one, and you, you have two minutes. All right. Um, Even one minute, because I have five minutes to close this webinar. Okay. Um, thank you very much. Um, I was also addressing an, another issue behind the scene. But uh, to, to, to Agnes's question, um, I want to say that um, we are cognizant of uh, th th those challenges of, of um, uh, smallholder, uh, small-scale traders. And um, under um, our new e initiatives within the context of the SPS policy framework that I shared earlier on, we are working towards engaging, first of all, um, identify, identifying key value chain priorities. Secondly, on, on capacity building with together with uh, international standard setting bodies, but of course, making sure that we involve the private sector at all levels and, 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 and many other actors that uh, uh, work along the food value, uh, value chain. We know that um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a value chain that involves a, a series of actors. So we are mapping out all those. It is important to understand that the Africa we want is in our hands. If we involve everybody, including the youth, to be involved in agriculture and find ways of mitigating food insecurity, the Africa we want will be real and not just a pie in the sky. In the program this week, we heard how the narrative